Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, the founder of Entree Architect and the host of Entree Architect podcast. Today, we launched a new podcast at Gable Media, our new multimedia network empowering global leaders in architecture, engineering, and the construction industries. The new show, it's called Practice Disrupted. And I am so excited about it. It's a podcast that is so needed right now in our profession. So I wanted to drop in between our regular feed here to introduce it to you and to share a conversation that I recently had with the co-hosts of Practice Disrupted, Evelyn Lee and Janine Chastain. I hope you like it. Enjoy. Evelyn Lee and Janine Chastain, welcome to this special episode of Entree Architect Podcast. Thanks, Mark, for having us. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, thanks so much for having us. Uh, I, I'm excited to have you both here. This is going to be a fun episode. This is a special episode. We're going to be talking about uh, a new show on Gable Media, a new podcast called Practice Disrupted. And uh, we have our guests here, Evelyn Lee and Janine Chastain are the hosts of that new show. Uh, Evelyn Lee is the first ever senior experienced uh, designer at Slack Technologies, where she seamlessly integrates her business and architecture background with a focus to build a better workplace experience for Slack employees, visitors, and guests. Evelyn is widely published. She wrote a column for three years at Contract Magazine, which is where I discovered you, Evelyn. I used to read that article or that, that, <laughs> that column. Uh, and she now frequently contributes at, over at Architect Magazine. Evelyn has received numerous industry awards, including the 2016 40 Under 40 Award for Building Design and Construction, 
and the 2014 AIA National uh, Young Architects Award. She currently serves as the first ever female treasurer to the AIA National Board, and she is a speaker at national industry meetings and conferences, focusing on topics such as developing knowledge leadership, organizational change management, capacity building, stakeholder engagement, and strategic approach to uh, put design thinking into practice. She is an out-of-the-box thinker. Uh, one of the things I love about her and, and her writing, and it's going to be a really uh, interesting podcast to hear your perspective on the profession of architecture. Uh, and Janine Chastain is a business strategy consultant trained in architecture and business management with expertise in marketing, communications, and leadership development. She founded Apostrophe Consulting to inspire architecture firms to adopt modern best practices on business management with the goal of helping teams win more work, build a culture of leadership and trust within their studio and create a pipeline for emerging leaders to grow. Her work is inspired by her career in the San Francisco Bay Area where she collaborated with award-winning architecture firms as an architectural designer and a marketing professional. And as a designer, she learned how architecture teams operate and learned how to make organizational improvements from within different types of studio environments. Janine has served as the national president of the American Institute of Architecture Students and sat as a national board member at the American Institute of Architects. So no strangers to uh, strategizing beyond the box of our profession. And that is exactly what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, the new podcast, these ladies are the host of that new podcast, Practice Disrupted. One of my favorite names of all time for any podcast I've ever heard. I love that name. Um, that's, that's saying a lot. That's also a lot of pressure. I yeah. love it. I love it because it says exactly what it is. You want to sort of, um, it's, and, it's, and it, I like it that it's a little bit provocative, right? You're poking a little bit. It's not really intended to irritate. It's, it's there to, from my point of view, it's really uh, intended to make people think right? To sort of go beyond that. So let's, let's talk about, I want to, I want to dive into your history first, before we get into the podcast itself and what it's going to be. Let's talk about you both, how you know each other, where you, uh, sort of your backgrounds beyond what I just shared with, with us. Um, Evelyn, do you want to sort of just get started and sort of talk a little bit about, um, how you and Janine got to know each other and, and why you ended up, uh, where we are today? Uh, I, uh, yeah, I actually might want to defer this to Janine because I think okay. Janine started to hear about me before I actually met her. Yeah, it's true. Um, I was on the AIA National Board of Directors in my early 20s, like coming right out of architecture school. And I was working with all these senior leaders in practice. And uh, as a young female professional, I kept they kept saying, you really need to meet Evelyn Lee. I feel like you guys would really hit it off. And as my career grew and I ended up moving to California, Evelyn and I started um, bumping into each other through our different AIA events. And essentially, I think we were both going for our MBAs. You were, you finished first. I came in right after you and we started talking a lot um, more consistently about some of the things going on that we were seeing and realized we had definitely a lot of similar perspective about the industry. I mean, so you, two architects, they're both trained as architects. You both have MBAs. Right there makes you different. 
right? Because you, you're thinking differently than any other architects out there that don't go for their MBAs. So right from the very beginning, uh, you're thinking about your profession and how it, it, how you can fit within that profession by by uh, pursuing an MBA. Um, why? Let's start there. Why why did you both do that? Why did you both decide that an MBA is would would benefit you as architects? So I, I think I made a very conscientious decision that I didn't want to go back to traditional practice when I went and pursued my MBA, which I th- feel is different than other architects who want to like learn how to get an MBA and then come back and do and start their own practice. Um, mine, mine was because at the time I had left traditional practice and I was working at public architecture running what was then the 1% program has since been named the one plus program. But really, it was at a time where there was a lot of architects that had signed up willing to give 1% of their billable hours towards the public good, but they were having problems finding nonprofit organizations to partner with on pro bono projects. And I became the first program manager to begin asking nonprofits uh, to to part, you know, to, to come to the organization and look for potential collaborations there. And really understanding that, you know, I think all of us as architects are aware that the general public doesn't really understand beyond like a ground up new building what we offer. Um, but, you know, further struggling with how do I communicate the value on a lot of different scales to those nonprofit organizations and not having the language uh, to do so and what I felt was a very intelligent way. So uh, that stint was only ever really meant to be one year long. And I was trying to figure out my next step. And it, you know, it just so happened that 2008 was a really good <laughs> year to go back <laughs> to grad school um, fortuitously. And then I ended up picking up an MPA uh, too, which focuses more on organizational management and kind of qualitative uh, creating qualitative ways of, of measuring findings. Ultimately, that's what drove me is not understanding the language and, and wanting to really be able to communicate that. Out. What about you, Jeannie? Well, I think early on, I, I always hear these stories about people saying they knew they wanted to be an architect when they were young. And for me, I always knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. And when I was in architecture studio, I distinctly remember taking a break from studio one day and I was just sitting outside and I was thinking about, I mean, I'd really like to go for my MBA. I think, I think that that's really where my skill and my strength is the business world. And as I moved into practice, I had taken on different leadership opportunities that really allowed me to explore that part of my capability. And I loved it. So after getting to the Bay area, and going through the recession out there and really feeling the pain of that experience, I knew I wanted to go for it. And I'm so glad I did because it really complemented the training that I got in architecture school and in practice and furthered those problem solving skills in a new way. So I have been really happy with my decision. Evelyn, your position at Slack, senior experience designer, can you, can you explain what you do today? <laughs> Uh, what I do today is very different than what I did even 12 weeks ago. So right now, actually today, um, that the day that we're recording this, it'll, it'll go live a little bit later. We just announced similar to Twitter and Square that, um, 
we are allowing any of our workforce to who can work remotely to be entirely remote. So, so my current um, position that at Slack is really looking at when. Oh, but on top of that, we're not closing our offices. So when what does what does reopening our offices look like? Um, keeping the safety, the health and safety of our employees, and putting them first. Um, for us, it means repositioning all of our offices to be really kind of a quiet place for people to come back and if that's what they need to be productive. Uh, and then also, um, you know, having really fun focus groups internally to think a big picture about what is our future real estate strategy going forward, especially as our workforce um, becomes increasingly distributed. So, so is that your role where you sort of look at the real estate assets of Slack and decide how they're going to be best used? Uh, I, yeah, I mean, yes and no. The Slack, I think, like any growing technology company, uh, suffers from the, you know the people in real estate were were given like another another hat to wear, I should say, right? Like, um, but they they don't necessarily have deep background and expertise and even programming and planning of a building. So part of it is just coming and helping our build team lay, lay in processes um, that you and get, that that we're all used to seeing, right? Um, for, for procurement, um, kind of beefing up their RFPs and making sure we're not getting generic kind of marketing materials whenever we do go out for a new RFP and, and helping the, with those processes and developing design guidelines. But also I feel like the more exciting part of my job is really thinking about how our people are meeting, how our people are collaborating and what are the spatial needs that we need to build to support that. Um, and then at, at a broader scale, what does that mean when we have less people coming into the office? Um, does the, the office really become this collaborative hub? Does, does our real estate become more like customer centric and then an onsite for our remote employees? I, I feel like the sky is the limit right now. So we're we're trying to run various different scenarios and figure out what that next step is. Yeah, I and I think that conversation is happening all over the country and potentially all over the world because right. the the we'll never go back to the way we worked. We'll we right. have forever changed the way we do work in the world um, after the pandemic, where everybody within a week has was forced to go home. Um, the companies were forced to create the systems that they had procrastinated on and and refused to do for uh, a decade. They were forced to do it in a week or a month, um, and and now they have those systems, right? They're not, and they're not perfected, but those systems, after a couple of months of working this way, uh, companies are functioning that way. And so, absolutely, I, I think many companies will start uh, making that change. Uh, some are have already, like you just said, some have already decided that, and I think many will follow. Uh, what will be interesting is to see how the architecture confirms when and if they follow as well. Architecture right. is typically a decade behind the rest of the world <laughs> in adopting. We're painfully uh, slow adopters, yes. Yes, exactly right. <laughs> and so um, that's exactly the things that I imagine uh, you both will sort of explore on your podcast is how is the profession uh, changing, right? And, how, and, and what is disrupting uh, the practice of architecture? And so it'll be a very interesting 
uh, conversation to hear uh, that those conversations. Uh, and I want to dive into that a little bit, but I want to hear uh, a little bit more about Janine. What what do you do at Apostrophe? So I have gone full time now with my consulting business, and it is based off of my time working for really incredible architecture firms out in the Bay Area. I had a great opportunity to be mentored by some amazing architects who are running really wonderful businesses and saw up close all these different versions of what it means to practice. And I guess because of where I am as a millennial in my career and um, trying to become a licensed architect and also having had this unusual leadership experience early on in my career, I just was seeing these trends across all of those experiences where there was this resistance towards change that was holding um, the firms back in some ways, even though they were doing incredible work and really building amazing things, um, just more operationally and sometimes struggles with um, people or different phases of the business. And I wanted to help architects figure that part out. And I wanted to start to discuss those things because I see a risk that is a very big threat to our industry where people my age might end up leaving and we're going to have another shortage of architects when we need architects and we need people to stay in this career so that they can reach um, the same leadership potential as the people that are mentoring them now. But um, that disconnect is really causing a lot of people to walk away from this industry. And I saw an opportunity to create a business that really looked at that and started to help architects and architect entrepreneurs solve those problems. So I come from it with a deep background in marketing. And of course, I'm trained in architecture. So I understand the design side too. I help people with that marketing communications piece, but I am very excited about the people development piece around leadership development. And I've recently been helping firms with mentorship um, and looking at that and how you start to um, train new leaders coming into leadership positions on how to be better mentors and managers and also stepping forward into different roles within their firm. So it's a little bit um, of a lot of things actually is what I'm doing. And it really depends on what the firm is struggling with because each firm has different challenges based on their owners and their leadership team. And I get really excited about going in and helping them figure those things out and diagnose it and solve it. It sounds like a, a really interesting job. <laughs> it sounds, it sounds exciting. Uh, and I think at this moment, I think in time, um, the world is shifting, it's transitioning. I think our, our profession is shifting and transitioning. Uh, it is, it is evolving. Um, and I'm an optimist. I see bright future for our profession, but I've also heard Evelyn say that there is a likelihood or a possibility that the profession becomes obsolete. And I've talked about that as well. Um, and that's a real possibility. I know a lot of people hear that and think, well, that's impossible. The architects will always be here. There'll always be buildings, there'll always be architects. But that's not necessarily true. The, it, our, the architecture world, or the profession as we know it, could very easily become obsolete if we don't grab hold of it and, and um, 
uh, take advantage of some of the opportunities that are out there. Um, the world is changing. The way we work is changing. Uh, there needs to be leadership in the built environment, uh, both in the building side of it as well as the people side of it, right? The people who are doing that work needs to change. Um, and those, those changes are happening elsewhere in the world, uh, in other industries. Architects have always been late adopters, as we've mentioned, um, but those changes are happening. And so, uh, but there are also opportunities, massive opportunities with those changes that architects can go beyond the traditional practice of designing buildings um, and become leaders in those other places. And so uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on that and on the future of architecture, the future of the profession. Um, Evelyn, I've read articles that you've written about this topic. Uh, what is your thought on, on what I've just set up? So many different thoughts. I, I, um, I also wanted to thank you for the very warm introduction, but I, I realized that what isn't in that is that um, I, we also, or I also founded Practice of Architecture, right? Um, and, and that practice, Practice Disrupted is, is a podcast, a practice of architecture hosted by <laughs> Gable. I don't, uh, but, I, but I wanted to make the connection to Practice of Architecture. Um, for me, my, my ongoing involvement in the AIA has really been because I love the people and I love this profession dearly. Um, but it's also because because I, I want, I, you know, I, I feel like I'm often the devil's advocate in the room. After getting my MBA and my MPA, I left, I, I worked in, I worked in the strategy world, um, in design strategy, right, at a firm called MK Think. It was a medium-sized firm where our strategy group was bringing in as much, if not more, revenue than the architecture group. Um, and I saw that there's, there's an opportunity for a lot more architecture firms to be doing this. Um, right now, as an industry, we suffer from the cyclical nature of the construction cycle, right? It's some, one of the most more predictable cycles. There will be times when people that are building, there'll be times when people aren't. So really, how do architects look at other products, services, you know, things that they could provide, value that they can bring their clients during those times when we aren't building. Um, and it's funny to me that so many architects talk about, talk talk to that in a way they say like, I wanna, I wanna be the master builder. I wanna be the first person a client calls when they have any type of problem. But unless you begin talking about all of the other services that you can offer, then you're not gonna be that, that individual, right? Because other, um, so you, so you, you kind of even, even with your close clients, you have to start cultivating that knowledge of what else you can do as an architect um, from, a, from a strategy perspective, operations, um, systems. I think we're incredible systems thinkers. I think we could work at applying design thinking um, more holistically, which is a whole nother conversation. But, um, but there's, there's an opportunity for us to, to change uh, and and really position ourselves in leaders in, in leaderships and be thought leaders um, and move the profession forward. But if we continue to do what we've have done for the last you know the last 
decade or two that I have been in the profession, then I then I only see that we'll we'll continue to give away our services, or you know other people will claim the type of work that we do, and that we'll we'll continue to see our market eroded. Yeah, I agree. I I, I think that the the like I said, the profession is in transition and I think it's in transition for many different reasons. I think, I think that the new generation that is coming into the profession, uh, the one that is, is entering now, the one that will come behind it are, are naturally entrepreneurial. I think that they are being brought up entrepreneurial. They are, they've certainly been brought up with technology. Unlike I have, you know, I, I've, I'm that generation that was before, you know, the use of computers, I was trained on CAD when the first computers came into the office and I've seen what's, where, we've, where we are today. And so I've seen that transition um, and technology will continue to be a massive disruptor in our profession uh, at so many levels and more and more as the technology that can, can literally disrupt the profession where the computers start doing some of the work that we do, uh, that's happening already. Uh, but the but the the people who are coming into the profession are different than the people who are leaving the profession, and so some of that change is already happening naturally from from the the, the shift in in the um, uh, the generations of leadership. Uh, but then we also have this pandemic in the middle of all this, right? <laughs> yeah. And the right. pandemic has just accelerated everything, right? right. That, that it, it is talk about disruption massive, global, unprecedented, historic disruption to the world yeah. and certainly has disrupted our profession. That has created some pain, but it also creates massive opportunity on the other side of this because now we've shifted everything. The built environment is no, we were just talking about that, Evelyn, how with your work at Slack, it's the way you work is different, right? It's going to right. change. The way that people work from home is going to become more permanent the way we do work. And so that's all opportunity for architects uh, on right. both ends of that, right? In the residential Absolutely. side and, and the commercial side. And I think it goes beyond just thinking like how we use space, right? Like like it, it goes, like the easy pickup there on the residential side is how do we design more office Space. <laughs> right, right, right. That's the no-brainer. Right, right. But I want architects to like take the next leap in terms of like, like what else should we be looking at? Is there, you know, with these ADUs, like, is there a, is there this home office product that you can offer that people right. just drop into their garage, that like it has, and you just need to plug it into a regular outlet, and then you know somehow your like Wi-Fi and everything is, is all there and. And you have like the monitors built. It. I don't. I don't know. But like, what is what is the next iteration that architects can really think through? Right. It's not um, just about designing the the space. Right. There's there's more to it that we can 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 uh, become responsible for. Our roles can be expanded right. beyond that building designer. Uh, when I use that example of of you know everybody now is working from home the offices will shift, right? Because now the office environment needs to be redesigned because we're not working that way anymore. So now there's an opportunity at the, at the commercial side as well. But then, like you said, Evelyn, there's systems in between now, right? There's a system now that has to be created to allow people to work that way. Some of those systems have been forced to be created in this pandemic, but those systems will continuously become 
uh, piece of that. And that's, there's no reason why the architect can't own that too, right? The systems between the, the built environments at each end of it, we should be the experts there, right? We should be getting yes. paid to create those systems. Yeah. And, and I'd like to say that in, by being an expert in those systems, then we create more opportunity for us to continue that work into the building. So, so I, there's been criticism in the past with my own work, even though I'm a licensed architect, that I don't actually ever practice architecture anymore um, in, the build, in the building sense. And, and yes, I, I mean, you can agree or disagree to, to that comment, but I, but I think, I mean, my argument is that if architecture firms do more of the strategic work, it will lead more to, it will lead to more building work. Um, so if so, if you're a hardcore builder, um, if you're you're somebody who you know is in it for the love of you know the technical drawings and how things go together, then then this I feel like this discussion is still for you because this will help you get more meaningful work. Yeah. And yeah. beyond the built environment, we're also looking at the design opportunities that exist within the infrastructure of the firm itself. Like instead of only looking externally about our clients and the work we're doing, we're hoping that this conversation will help people think about internally in their own organization, some of the design opportunities that exist in thinking about their own company, the people, the systems that they're doing things by, the where they're holding on to the traditional way that things are done, and perhaps there's space where they can reevaluate that and make changes that are towards um, new ideas that maybe someone wants to try out and see if it works better. Can, can Jeannie, can you explain how the podcast is going to be formatted? Sort of what can people expect when they go and listen to Practice Disrupted? Sure. So throughout this first season, we're going to have different experts talking about these different facets of the change that we're observing and we're going to dive deeper into those topics. With each episode, we'll have an introduction where we set this conversation up and a debrief where we kind of walk away and look at what was discussed and the action items that are going to relate back to how our listeners can take what they've heard and apply it directly into their own work. Um, we're also going to be running a series through um, the whole show called Architecture and, which looks at an expanded view of how architects have pivoted and done amazing things with their career that are a little bit outside of the traditional realm of architecture. And we have a lot of exciting guests coming on this season to look at that as well. Yeah, I, I am so excited about this podcast. Uh, Evelyn, what, what, do you, um, what are some of your goals for this podcast? Why are you doing this? And then we'll, we'll wrap things up with, with that. I'd like to know your thoughts on that, uh, Janine. And then I also want to sort of uh, mention what, what, I, what my thoughts are as well. Yeah, people are digesting information in so many different formats, right? Um, I, I, have, I have found my way through the publishing world, right? And I've kind of, I've, I've wrote for Inhabitat when, way back in 2005 before it was like a thing to actually write for a blog and get paid money for. So I feel like, um, I, I feel like we're doing okay on the online publishing side. You know, for me, this is this is another platform to reach to reach a new set of audience members and to really um, 
to let people also know that one, they're not alone in, in some of these thoughts. I, I feel like the more we get out there, the more I hear, I'm like, oh yeah, I've been thinking about that, but I didn't really know who to talk to about that. So, you know, to cr really create the community around the individuals that are being more forward thinking um, and, you know, best case scenario, begin to change the minds of those that, that maybe are holding on to some of the more traditional ways. Um, but uh, ultimately, I would, I would like to see a, a shift in practice. And I think we come at this with an attitude of rising tides raise all ships. Yeah. So the more, the more that architects are out there doing this, the, the more people will see the value of architects beyond um, a, a ground up building. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, um, I love what you're doing at uh, practice of architecture. And I imagine that this podcast sort of allows you to dive deeper into some of those topics that you write about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and be able to talk to some of those people that uh, can help expand the ideas and, and inspire uh, others to sort of dig deeper into some of the concepts that you, that you explore over there. Janine, what are your thoughts? What are your goals for, for Practice Disrupted? Well, we just had a really great conversation uh, gearing up for our podcast about the next generation of practice, which is a theme that we hope to explore. And I think that that's essentially what we're doing. We are working to understand what that means. And it's happening right now. We're defining it in this current moment. And we're going to continue to define it over the next decade. So I feel like this conversation is really a research project in some ways to get clarity around what are those shifts in practice that are changing and what are the ways in which um, we're going to be going forward from here on out in the way that the industry operates. So it's an ongoing conversation, but I think we're trying to go take a really deep dive into looking at each of those elements and exploring them, naming them, and talking about actual ideas that people can implement in practice or their careers. I think this podcast is going to be very popular, very successful, very quickly, because I think there is a community of architects and design professionals out there already uh, looking for this, right? There's a generation of architects out there who already think this way, that, that the old way of doing things is not necessarily the right way and that there and yes there's lots to learn from the way we did it right and and designing buildings is never going to change we are architects we design and create the built environment but the uh there is there are new ways to do things right there are there are bigger ways there are more opportunities that architects can embrace and become uh more influential in the world and i believe that there's a community of architects and and design professionals who are already out there. And so my goal, my hope for this podcast is that that you, uh, you two ladies inspire change, that you inspire those opportunities, that when people think, oh, maybe we should go with that. No, I'm an architect, I can't do that. No, go do that. Go explore those opportunities. I hope you inspire um, major, massive, disruptive change in our profession. Uh, and I think you will. And so uh, that's my hope. That's my Thank hope. You. No that's, pressure. No pressure. No, that's a huge compliment. <laughs> I really appreciate that. That is my goal too. So uh, their names are Evelyn Lee and Janine Chastain. I highly recommend that you go subscribe to Practice Disrupted right now. 
Uh, it's over at GableMedia.com. It's GableMedia, G-A-B-L, Media.com. Uh, it's always fun talking to both of you. I really enjoy talking to you because you always make me sort of think out of the box. And I'm that type of person, too. I like thinking beyond where we are today. And so I appreciate you both for coming on here and uh, spending some time with me and talking about what your, your plans are. So I appreciate you both for being here. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Mark. We appreciate you, too. So go, go there right now, gablemedia.com, G-A-B-L media.com, or search for Practice Disrupted on your favorite podcast listening platform, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, it's there. I will be back in your feed tomorrow with our next regular episode of Entree Architect Podcast. So until then, go subscribe to Practice Disrupted and listen to episode one, it's waiting for you right now. Love, learn, and share what you know. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders, Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that, (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my One that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, 
Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is gonna be a priority. When the job is done, we're gonna actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. And so for me, the the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.